0: Welcome to a very special episode of Breaking Bread. I'm here with New York Times bestselling author, Nelson DeMille. Nelson, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Anthony.
0: It is such a pleasure to be here. We're in your writing studio. I believe it's called Area 51. That's right. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I feel kind of special. How many people would you say they get to come to Area 51?
1: <laughs> the cleaning guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, not too many people. Yeah. I, uh, for one thing, I smoke. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I write, so uh, theoretically, legally, not allowed to have anybody in here. Um, (laughs) But very few people are up here, and uh, very few people even know it exists. I have another office in this building, which is where my assistant is, Mm -hmm. and you know where business is done. But this is strictly writing. When I'm here, there's nothing to do except sit down and write. (laughs) no excuses.
0: That sounds like every writer's paradise. I can't even yeah, imagine, yeah. you know, you have a smoke in one hand. You have, I guess, your pen in the other. You do everything
1: by longhand? I do. I still write longhand on uh, legal pads. And I have a cup of coffee. Coffee, cigarette, <laughs> legal pads, and, you know, I'm a business. I've been doing that for, uh, I never really typed well. So I think since my first book, 1974. Wow. So it's been a while. and. Uh, Everybody wants me to learn how to use a computer, <laughs> learn how to type, but you know, like why, why mess with it? I mean, I've got 22 books. Eight of them were New York Times bestsellers, and all of them, almost all of them made the New York Times list. And uh, everybody wants to change my, my way of writing. Whatever you get used to, uh, You know, for the first 2,000 years of writing, people wrote by longhand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a better process, and I think most authors who still write longhand See that first and second draft handwritten really makes it a much better, you know, presentation. Then you have, of course, you have to put it on, uh, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the computer. Then you can work on it there if you want. But uh, longhand is the way we all, you know, mm-hmm. learn how to write. How many legal pads would you say that you go through then? Oh gosh, I should, <laughs> I should have stock in the company. Uh, <laughs> each each page holds about 70 written words mm-hmm. so i write it big and i write it double spaced and uh so each page each pad is 50 you know about 50 pages so you're getting about 7 to 3500 that's my math about 3500 on a pad uh times you know 10 to 35,000 most books are about 150,000 words so talking 30, 40 pads, and that's just first draft. Wow, wow. Uh, by the time you're done, you probably used up about 100 pads.
0: Do you have a special kind of pad that you like to use? Like, I'm, yeah, get, I'm assuming yeah.
1: so. <laughs> it has to have a nice sheen on it, a mm-hmm. nice hard sheen. Some yeah. of are cheap and kind of pulpy. And, yeah. And it's the same with the pencil. I use uh, number one Mongol pencils, uh, which is the softest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're re- using a number two or three is a little harder, the, uh, the script is a little light; it's hard, harder to see. But also, after you're writing thousands of words with your hand, your hand and your arm become—you can start to drag. <laughs> if, the pen, if the pencil's dragging, it's going to—it's going gonna, it's gonna, to—you're going to feel it at the end of the day. So number one is soft. Uh, the, the, the lead is soft, and the paper is hard, <laughs> and uh, it works.
0: Now, all this is going on, you're clearly a, cre- a creature of habit, you're very old school. That, uh, to me, that all plays into t- your Italian heritage. Am I wrong?
1: <laughs> you can make that case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we like tradition, and uh, uh, I've been, you know, uh, well, the, the coffee for one thing, you know. We, yeah. As Italians, we assume that everybody drinks coffee. Salute. From the time they're four <laughs> years old, you know. But I find as I grow older, and I move to a community here in Gordon City where not everybody's Italian, they don't all drink coffee, but I, you know, uh, but my son was now writing with me. He said, what, he said, give me Alex some- Alex DeMille, right? Alex DeMille. We co-authored uh, the, uh, the deserted together. One of the tips I gave him, he wanted some tips. I said, you need quiet room and da-da-da. I said, you need coffee, because coffee stimulates the imagination. And I'm sure that uh, you know. I'm sure that Dante had, uh, probably <laughs> drank coffee, and and uh, it's you know uh, maybe it's psychological, but there is there is actually some scientific study that says coffee not not only is it, you know not only does it make you alert, but actually stimulates the imagination. Wow! And uh, so coffee is part of the process. Uh, never I did al- never that. alcohol. Uh, Yeah, I mean this whole thing about writers being hard drinkers and uh, yeah, it may be true after (laughs) after you put the pencil down for the day. You know, I like my red wine as much as anybody else, but uh, I never I never drank uh, alcohol while I was writing. But uh, plenty of coffee. Yeah,
0: I was just about to ask. You beat me to it. What your drinking choice is? Red wine. Yeah, red wine is my my Mm -hmm. first. uh,
1: Scotch is second. My character is mostly. Uh, my character, John Corey, for instance, is mostly a Scotch drinker. I mean, mm-hmm. He makes fun of wine. Yeah. He, he, it's his philosophy is this, if, this, if this shit didn't have alcohol in it, why would anybody <laughs> drink it? Meaning, uh, red wine. But I like my red wine, it's just that. Uh, and of course, red wine is a little bit more macho than uh, white wine. If I drank white wine, I wouldn't even admit it, so, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm in full agreement uh, with you, actually. Every
0: time that I've gone out to, like, Dinner, or whether it's fish or not, because people oh, have that role right, with right, fish and red right. meat or like, or like whatever. Greg is shaking his head because <laughs> he's a chef. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer in red over everything, like yeah, you know. All right. Well, I grew, I grew, I grew
1: front up with wine, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so back to the coffee thing, I do have to ask you one thing: Are you in a, a specific kind of coffee drinker? Espresso. Has it really you No, know, I like
1: my regular black coffee. You know, really? yeah, I have a cord machine. I used to make pots of coffee, and well I got lot of drink you know, espresso. But here, mm-hmm. I just, like go for the cord machine. But I was going to say, when I was growing up, as a kid, um, my parents gave me wine. Mm-hmm. Probably same with you. Mm-hmm. They mix it with cream soda sometimes. They yeah. mix it with, you know, sometimes They put a little fruit in it. And, but I mean, since I was five or six years old, I would have a little wine with mm-hmm. dinner. And I kind of removed the, the the taboo and the whole thing mm-hmm. because it was just understood that this was, you know, because when these kids are kept back from it, you know, the, the, the more you keep it back from them, the more you make it taboo, the more they want it and they're going to abuse it later. Yeah. And I've given my kids uh, wine with most meals if um, they 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 you know um, they feel grown up, at the same time they've uh, learned how to integrate it into their lives without it's not it's not some Secret thing, it's not, you know, days of prohibition is over. It's <laughs> wine. Have a, have a glass of wine. And uh, I think it's a good thing for, uh, I think the tradition is being carried on. I know a lot of, you know, my, my age and younger Italians who give in their kids wine. Mm-hmm. And other people are scandalized by it. Yeah. <laughs> Yet these are the same people who give their kids a can of Coca Cola. Yeah, that's, <laughs> full, that's probably worse full of sugar, You're absolutely yeah. worse. It's full of sugar and caffeine. Sure, yeah. You know, and I give you they give you nonsense about giving you, you know, your little kid wine. Well, you know, want to you know, you don't want to make them alcoholics, but they're not. That's the point. They they uh, they, know, they know how to handle it. So
0: a little grape juice never hurt anybody, right? right exactly. <laughs> so um, now you're you obviously identify as an Italian American, right? Yeah. Uh, Nelson not too long ago had a piece in the National Italian American Foundation's magazine, the ambassador uh, it was a two-page feature um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your Italian heritage
1: yeah my um, my mother is uh, uh, Napolitan and uh, on both sides of her family uh, my father I have a French name my father's family was uh, there were French in the family from Avignon mm-hmm. uh, southern France but my father's family were uh, from um, uh, abruzzi they were um, a little town called Rocco Marici, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of in the hills. It's a hillside. It's a hilltop town, uh, and I went there about oh gosh, it's like 15 years now, and uh, <laughs> you know I got to this town. I, I I drove into the town. I had a driver with me. Spoke fluent Italian, and it was it was like it was a total mind trip to see. This is where my father's father came from. Mm. And I don't think I was in town 10 minutes, and people knew I was there. <laughs> uh, they knew I was there, and I forgot. Well, I think it was my driver was talking to everybody. And, and there were people who actually looked like me, and uh, it was like just such a mind-blower. Then to go to the cemetery, mm-hmm. and then to go. There was a the piazza. There's so much immigration from this town. In mm-hmm. the piazza, there was a, a statue of a man uh, dressed, and he's got a suitcase in his hand, and he's walking. A little kid has his arms around the man's legs saying, you know, obviously don't go, because mm-hmm. uh, he's immigrating and he's leaving his family behind. And the inscription in Italian said, you know, they are gone, but they are forever in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And this represented that immigration to, mm-hmm. uh, in the case of Rogan Ritchie, mostly Canada, mm-hmm. but also the States. I didn't see the cemetery. One of my you know, early relatives was killed in World War I. Uh, it was just a, a, a total mind-blower. And, uh, but I'll tell you another story I don't tell a lot of people. So before I le- went there, my, when I called one of my cousins in Massachusetts, female cousin, Barbara, and I said, you know, I'm going to Brooklyn, Richard. She had been there some months before. And so she gave me some tips. and She said, do you know how our great-grandfather died? I said, no, how? They said he was murdered. I said, oh, my God, how was he murdered? Well, uh, he was in a bed that he shouldn't have been in with a woman that he shouldn't have been with. And the husband came home and killed him with an axe. An axe. <laughs> you know? Apparently my great-grandmother then fled the town and she went to uh, Tivoli. Yeah. Uh, so some of the families in Tivoli. But I said, I'm sure there's been more than one DeMille that's been killed in a belly he doesn't belong That sounds like what a scene uh, from the Gold right, Coast. Exactly. It sounds very familiar, Nelson. But what a story. It yeah. was a true story. And then I found the church records of, you know, births and deaths. And it did say, it said, murdered uh, wow. my great-grandfather. So, but, uh, you know, and I want to take my kids back. I think we're ready to go back. Uh, they're all up there they're in their 40s now. But it is uh, an amazing experience. I know so many, you know, millions of Italian Americans have gone back to find their roots. Uh, And I I would obviously suggest that for everyone. I want to go back again. Uh, Naples is another story. My mother and her family were not, they weren't really forthcoming about a lot of things. You know, they didn't didn't really talk about the old country, Mm -hmm. so I have no idea where she's from. Uh, I know that they were still in contact, because when I was a kid, I remember them sending bundles, you know, after World War II these uh, to their relatives in Naples who were obviously impoverished and starving and they would send packages you know to the, the relatives there but somehow of course when uh, you know time passed and uh, they kind of lost contact but uh, I didn't know anything about them I didn't know where they came from I didn't, wasn't quite sure the uh, one of the last things would have been Lombardo I knew that uh, Panzera so I'd had some last names, but Naples is a big place. Mm-hmm. It was easy to go to Rocama a town of about maybe 800,000 people yeah. Uh, Naples as a whole. I did, I did go to Naples, but I had no clue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, where these people were from uh, in the Naples area. But, you know, it is a, it's an emotional experience. It really is. Uh, uh, it's, you know, you, you realize that, uh, you know, if your ancestors hadn't immigrated, you would have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, which yep. I think is amazing. Would have been there for World War I, World War yep. II, and that type of thing. That's true. So uh, maybe that's okay, too. I think a lot of Italian-Americans, I don't know about you, but you think about going back to uh, uh, maybe live there, you know, you have this yeah. thing, like maybe this is where, maybe, maybe I'd be happier here. When you go there, you say, yeah, this is, a, this is, a, this is an easy place to live, Wish I, should I knew the language? Yeah. Uh, my grandmother spoke fluent Italian. Obviously, she's from Italy, but uh, my, my mother's mother, and uh, she taught me Italian. I had a little bit of Italian uh, Well, my father was away during World War II. He was in the Navy, so he wasn't around. But when he came home, he insisted that there be no no Italian spoken in his house. Mm-hmm. That was the attitude in those mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Now it's, let's teach teachers kid his you know whatever the native language it doesn't matter. what it is, they want they want they want they want this cultural connection. And in school, I didn't take Italian. I took French. I had, mm-hmm. you know and I took Latin too. Though I took Latin and French. Uh, but you know, like a lot of us, we wish that we spoke. I don't know, do you speak fluent? Uh, I speak
0: enough Italian, like enough right. where I can talk to the pretty girls, like when right, I go to right. Italy, but that's about it. Right, right. Not much more than that. Yeah, like, right. ciao, Bella, how right, you doing? Right, like, you right. know what
1: yeah. I mean? At a restaurant.
0: Yeah, I can order some food, like, you know, you go to a nice Italian dinner, you know, go to the park side, I order an Italian, try to make myself look nice, right, you know, right, or go to Rayo's. Right, we right, go to Rayo's yeah.
1: too. And avoid, avoid the sheep's head and yeah. stuff like that. Gotta, <laughs> Capicella. Capicella. you got to know, the, you gotta know the, uh, the nouns when it comes to an Italian restaurant.
0: That really resonated with like me when you talked about in the Gold Coast the Capicella. Like yeah, a Very know. few Italians actually talk about it. I actually posted a video of it not too long ago. I got a lot of slack from like a lot of vegans and That's stuff. I'm making fun of the animal. I don't know. <laughs> but like, but like you know, yeah. only picture with Don Bellarosa would like say right. to something it's
1: like that, different. right? Yeah, some stuff you know. We we eat a lot of Italian American food here, mm-hmm. It's really Italian American, um, and it's it's good. We're yeah. used to it, you know. But then you go to Italy and you realize it's a whole different cuisine. Yes, and it is so regional, and not only is it regional, it's even by within the city you'll find uh, different kinds of uh, cuisine, and it stays regional, but. Uh, but I've noticed I've been going to uh, Rome for over 25 years, and maybe I've been to Rome maybe 20 times, uh, and and Milan, which is mm-hmm. the center of Italian publishing, and I go there for business. Mm-hmm. But if I'm there for business in Milan, I'll, then I always go to Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and the food is just incredible. Every region has incredible food, uh, and I, I just it's, it's mind blowing. If you just listen to the waiter sometimes, yeah. so, you know, if you're not quite sure, you know, the waiter will. Will guide you, <laughs> yeah. and they 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 do eat, I think, healthier for one thing. They eat a lot less. The portions are a lot smaller, uh, which is why most of them are thin. You get this impression of <laughs> Italian food must make you fat. <laughs> well, now if you're an Italian American and you're eating three bowls of pasta, yeah. it's going to make you fat. <laughs> but in Italy, they, as everything is you know smaller portions, and uh, and it t- it's just something that it tastes better. The tomatoes taste better. Everything yeah. tastes better. Why? Well, I have no idea. They don't use yeah. preservatives. They don't have uh, they don't have the industrial, you know, uh, the industrial species of this thing. The tomatoes here are red and hard. Really <laughs> they right. the <laughs> and uh, Italy, They last forever. Right there they go. And Italy, I mean, even in the big cities, the stuff is coming in fresh every day. <laughs> uh, so you know, yeah, I go for the uh, go for the culture, but I also go for the food. <laughs> of course, most European countries, you know, even France, I don't go for the food. It's, and you you could also smoke there. I can smoke. Wow, yeah, wow. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Italians are not not big on rules, as you know. Yeah, but, uh, there are places you're not supposed to smoke, but they smoke. But you go to Germany, if you can't smoke, you can't smoke. But, you yeah. In uh, Italy, there's always exceptions, though. Right. There, there's, all the rules. there's
0: always like I know so and so the owner. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Like you know, he won't bother yeah. me. Right. Exactly. Uh, now. A question I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners would love to know: um, How did your Italian heritage influence your writing? Because you do have, you know, the John Corey books, which is obviously less Italian-American oriented, yeah. and you have um, the the Gold Coast series, the John Sutter books. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, initially it didn't. Uh, you know, when I first started writing in the '70s, I mean, I thought about it. You know. Um, uh, it was obviously something I, you know, I, I understood and I wanted to incorporate into some of my books. To some extent, you know, once in a while I was an Italian American character, but it wasn't until really *The Godfather*, which was—I can't give you an exact date, but it was probably '77, '78—and uh, I read the book. Everybody says they read the book now. Most people saw the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but I did actually read the book, and the book was not that great. was uh, a good writer. The book wasn't bad. But this is one of those rare instances where the movie was actually better than the book. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. But Puzo was—he was a genius—and he wrote most of the screenplay for *The Godfather*. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about you know this this, this subject. And, and you know, he didn't want to do the mafia per se, but then you, you know, then you know, this is what the publisher wanted. But you know, you, you're writing books, and you go, you're, you know, you got, uh, publishers got an idea, I have an idea, and it was a long time. Before I finally came around, to it, I said I got to do a book, you know, with Italian Americans in it. Well, let's, let's let's do the let's do the Mafia. It's okay, we can do that. It uh, wasn't my initial idea, but that's when I came up with the idea of the Gold Coast, which was uh, uh, I called it the Great Gatsby meets the Godfather. I love uh, that tagline. <laughs> I love
0: whenever I tell someone to, to read it, that's the first thing that I say.
1: You know, they say, right what you know about, but the publishers don't want you to know, The publishers always have a different idea. Your editors have a different idea. Your agents have a different idea. But you've got to love what you're doing, because you're sitting here every day doing it. You gotta, if you're not entertaining yourself, you're not going to entertain uh, the reader. So I, I came over with maybe a 10-page outline. I gave it to my agent, who said, this could work. But then we showed it to the publisher and the, agent, and the, and the editors. They said, no, this is, we don't want this book. This is the, for the Gold Coast. So I said, no, this is the book I'm writing. This is the book I'm writing. This is the book I'm writing. Uh, I live here on Long Island, so I have friends on the North Shore. I have you know, friends who are the, you know, the old WASP families. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know a lot of Italian Americans. I knew some of them in that business. And I said, wouldn't it be great to get these two cultures clashing uh, on the Gold Coast of Long Island? I knew, I knew this was going to be a big book. Every writer has a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, maybe insecurities when they when they write. This one I knew was going to be big when I first started writing it, and uh, turned out to be. And the publisher was still still at the end, and they read it. Uh, I remember one guy said to me, one editor said, "This is this is genius," but I don't think it's going to sell. Uh, you know, I said, "Yeah, it's going to sell. It's going to sell a lot of books, actually, you know." <laughs> Uh, if, you play, if you promote it right, don't promote it as, well, as one of my thrillers or one of my detective novels. you got to break it out of that, you know, the mold, because you get, you know, you get kind of tagged as a certain kind of writer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the publisher finally came around, and, you know, and then it became The Restless History, became a huge bestseller, and it's still in print and mm-hmm. sold millions and millions of copies. And it's, I think, my best book. And then, So I wanted to get back to the theme, not mm-hmm. the theme, but the Whole idea of working uh, a strong Italian culture into uh, one of the books, which is what I'm thinking about doing now. It's either going to be a sequel, uh, or either be the third book in a, a Gold Coast series. Because after Gold Coast, I wrote Gatehouse, mm-hmm. which was the sequel. But there may be one more book, there, if not a, a, a whole different book. But mm-hmm. it will definitely. Because the Italian American immigrant culture is, you know, thinner than it was when I was growing up. When I was growing up, we knew Italian Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, We knew Italians from Italy and there were World War II refugees, many Mm -hmm. of them. But the the, the immigrant culture is not as as strong as it used to be in this Mm -hmm. country. It's gotten diluted. So this may be what that book is about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's sort of... I have the theme and I have, you know, I have the ambience of the book. I just don't have the plot yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on it. So, and you brought this up to me
0: last time, and feel free not to answer. Um, You talked about the potential of a Gold Coast film.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, before the book was even finished, my agent was enthused about it. And he did show it to uh, uh, Columbia Motion Pictures, who bought it. Mm-hmm. And oh, they, really? Uh, yeah, they bought it, and uh, uh, they signed it to uh, Frank Yablons as the producer. Yablons had been one of the producers on The Godfather, and, um, and Yablons, uh chose John uh, for screenwriters. He hired John Gregory Dunn and Joan Didion, who were husband and wife, who were brilliant. Uh, But they turned in one of the worst screenplays ever. It was just a terrible, terrible screenplay. Uh, Their egos got involved with it. I don't think they understood the book, and da-da-da. So it kind of, you know, Columbia let let it go. They optioned it for a certain number of months or a year and a half, maybe. But then when it expired, we sold it right away to um, uh, Martin Bregman. Mm -hmm. Bregman, uh New York based producer and um, um, he had done a lot of the Pacino movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did I think he did Incentive a Woman. Oh wow. I, I know he did Colito's way with Pacino. Pacino was sort of a partner, so he bought he bought Gold Coast uh, for really? Pacino. Pacino wanted him to be in it. Yeah. It's too old now, but I mean this yeah. is then, this is like yeah. twenty five years ago. And I figured, you know, Martin Bregman is an East Coast producer with Mm -hmm. East Coast sensibility. don't have to deal with Hollywood, (laughs) which is fine. I don't blame uh, you there. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God, it was like. uh, But one thing then, you know, Martin unfortunately got into financial trouble, and and it wasn't an option, it was an outright buy, so he owned the property. So what we're trying to do now is find a co producer. Uh, Martin has passed away since then, but his uh, son Michael has inherited the, uh, the properties. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to find a co-producer and get this thing moving again. Because even now, 30 years after publication, it's still timeless, it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a timeless book. It's updated it a bit, but the, the story is still mm-hmm. the story. Uh, so that's where we we're where got our fingers crossed. But it's been a long 30-year project. So much Hollywood interest, but you've got to pick who so you think. You know, when you're getting multiple offers, uh, the one that sounds the best, which this one did, turn out not to be the best. Mm. The first one was Columbia, it was the studio, you always like the studio, take the studio money and run. <laughs> and, uh, and when I heard they hired Didion and Dunn for the screenplay, Columbia Motion Pictures, so this is a slam dunk, but the uh, the movie, just, I mean the screenplay is just awful, just awful. So it was a bad, you know, it was a bad experience. with. Hollywood but there, there are many of them
0: <laughs>
1: you know it's really funny that you um
0: said that because I'm currently watching a show on Paramount Plus called The Offer yeah and it's I, about I, the making yeah, of The Godfather right, yeah I haven't
1: seen it but you know, I yeah. heard it was good yeah yeah it, w- it was yeah.
0: very good and it reminds me a lot of what you're talking about yeah. you know Mario Puzo being the author went through a lot of like what you're talking yeah. about with the producers and yeah. the, so you know he had a
1: better experience though but yeah. it was a rough road for him getting, getting there and they asked him to stay on as the uh, screenwriter, mm-hmm. one of the screenwriters, which I don't often do. I mean, I've never been asked to be a screenwriter on any of my uh, mm-hmm. properties, which is okay in a way. It's a whole different kind of writing. My son Alex, who I co you know co books with, is a screenwriter. That's he okay. as we went to school for, so he knows how to structure the thing. And I would not, you know, it's a different kind of writing, and I don't I don't denigrate screenplays as they're like you know they're one ninety pages, maybe triple spaced mm-hmm. and with wide margins you know as opposed to a, a novel uh, but it's harder to condense all of that sometimes when you're adapting uh, a book of uh, 16 mm-hmm. a book takes 16 hours to read normally 17 18 you try to condense this into 90 minutes I think this is one of the problems with some of the books that I've sold as movies that there there's a lot to it and some screenwriters got to try to find the essence of this this is what happened uh, maybe to some extent with uh, uh, the Gold Coast, Dillion and Dunn uh, couldn't figure out the uh, the core of this, this story, and plus they had their own egos because they're both famous best-selling authors, mm-hmm. so they wanted to show that they could actually write better than me. And a lot of the dialogue <laughs> wasn't my dialogue, and uh, but uh, you know it is what it is. But I think uh, you know if if Hollywood is smart, they will always hire the uh, novelist whose mm-hmm. novel they bought. To at least consult if not right, mm-hmm. but they don't want to do that. I've now spent 20 million dollars on them. They gave uh, like uh, Travolta 20 million dollars to be in one of my books, general's the daughter. general's daughter. But they wouldn't give me a half a million dollars to be a consultant on the screenplay, you know. And uh, they would I would have taken less. It was really not the money. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the point. Uh, yeah. But no, they don't. So they, they 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 think well, they've had bad experiences like with Tom Clancy. People who are. Some novelists are arrogant, and they mm-hmm. make more trouble than they're worth. Uh, but I think the Gold Coast, you know, if I knew that this thing was possibly free again, I would certainly sit down with my son and do a screenplay on it. That like is it would awesome. make it easier to produce, get it produced. Once the screenplay is in front of the producers, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a much better chance that, uh, you know. So that's that the book, they love the book, but they've got to love the screenplay, Yeah. You know? And there's always a big gap between the two. So. Mm-hmm. It's anyway, a long way of saying, oh, we're going to make the Gold Coast. <laughs> I think it'll be made sometime. Maybe not in my lifetime, but it'll be made. That's really good
0: to hear. No, like, because, um, like I said, it's one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, thank you. I uh, like, you know, and to be sitting here with you is an honor, as an Italian-American yeah. and as an author.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to tell, like, young and aspiring uh, Italian-Americans or young and aspiring authors, writers... Um, Like, you know, where they could start, like, what they have to look forward to or not to look forward to?
1: Yeah, if they they want to write novels, I always (laughs) say um, uh, take two aspirin, lay down in a (laughs) dark room, and wait for the feeling to pass. (laughs) It's a different business, you know. Authors have been complaining about publishing business forever. Uh, But it really has become a different business, so... um, it's more corporate now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take uh, publishers taking less chances on new novelists. It's never been easy to get published. It's never been easy to get, become a bestseller, but it's a little more. It's a little tougher now. Um, you know, you have to don't give up the day job, but, but be persistent. I mean, and uh, there's plenty of books out there. People always come to me asking me the same question: What, what do I do? There's probably 50 books out there. Uh, the same theme, How to get published? Read the books. You come to me and ask me like basic questions that they should have already known from reading a book, and you really Mm -hmm. want to get published, read the book. Mm -hmm. There are literally 30 or 40, and it's still in print, how to get published, and then from there, you say maybe this is not the business for me, maybe it is, you know. Uh, One way to get published now is to be self-publishing, which Mm -hmm. used to be not a a good thing to do years ago. Now it's okay, Mm -hmm. you can, you know, because of uh, Amazon and because of, um, just the internet, you can self-publish, and it's not a bad way to go. Mm-hmm. But for Italian American authors, I say think about that, that that connection you have. If you grew up in, a, you know, like wh- who could, be, it's going to sound authentic. It's going to sound like inside information. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're doing the the, the Italian dinner in a book and that type of thing, uh, you 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 as the author, Italian American or on firm ground, so you're going to have more confidence in what you're writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I found with the Gold Coast when I was writing it. Like, I didn't have to do a lot of research. I knew exactly how these people think, <laughs> how they eat, how they drink, how they treat their women, and, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was, I, was, I was having fun with it. I was really having fun. I knew because I was having so much fun, that the reader was going to have fun. One of my editors at the time said this. It's really clever, but it's not going to sell well. Western Hudson, I said that's not true. I said Godfather is yeah, west fine. Western Hudson, that's uh, true. People love to look at other cultures mm-hmm. uh, if they think it's being, if they think it's authentic, and they're learning something, and uh, uh, especially a culture that's kind of, um, you know, uh, has become, in one way, more esoteric. because mm-hmm. you know, we don't see a lot of Italian American stuff on TV or in the movies. In another way, The Godfather still dominates hmm. that what we think about, um, and it's generational. I, uh, I sat my son down, uh, who was 15 years old, about a half a year ago. Uh, I figured he was old enough to see The Godfather, and he was absolutely fascinated. <laughs> it's the only movie, I, I, you know, we try to do a movie a week, so, That's so part nice. of his education. Uh, it was the only one he wanted to see the second time, hmm. and then, then we did The Godfather 2, and he was absolutely fascinated. Then he went out and he bought it online. He bought a Godfather poster <laughs> of uh, you know uh, Brando and Believers. says, I'm making all I'm making all for you can't repeat. <laughs> I'd never seen him do that. Like, oh boy, you know, it just hit him some way. And I, I you know, I prefaced it by saying, you know, you all part Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your mother's mother, his mother was, was Swedish, English, German, and, and uh, Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm mostly Italian but he knows he has Italian blood and, you know, this sort of connected him, which is, I said, you know, there's more to Italian culture than The Godfather, I hope you understand. Mm -hmm. We're going to read Dante someday. Of course. Uh, But, you know, but he he really responded to it. Uh, It's a great story, but it's the, that that immigrant culture uh, that I think fascinates even kids today. Mm A lot of kids they won't they don't, don't wanna see the old movies, they're old they're too slow paced, mm-hmm. but they will watch The Godfather mm-hmm. one and two and three sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and the one is, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? Yeah, I
0: just showed Greg here uh, for the first time, uh the oh. Godfather Part One and The Godfather Part Two. Oh really? I right. yeah. 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 Yeah, it's an amazing movie. Nelson, it's been such a pleasure to have you yeah, on nice. the show. It's nice. been an honor. And thank, thank you. you so much for having me here at Area 51. It's <laughs> 51, beautiful here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is my prison, but it was also my (laughs) refuge. It's kind of the same thing sometimes. Thanks again.